Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 510 of the JV Club with my guests, the phenomenal musicians, uh, authors, all-around awesome folks, Tegan and Sarah. I am not going to waste too much time. I want you to get right into this episode because obviously Tegan and Sarah are super rad. Uh, So I just want to quickly say thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of those uh, of you who are able to jump in and support Maximum Fun, our... our, uh, cooperative, uh, worker-owned, uh, wonderful network, and uh, as well as the podcast itself. Uh, thank you for supporting indie work. It means the world to us. So in celebration of that, let's waste no time in getting into this conversation with Tegan and Sarah. For me, this is a dream come true uh, in that I have long been a fan of yours. I think we have a friend, Steve Berg, in common. Does that sound familiar to you, Steve Berg? Tell me more about Steve Berg. I wonder why. I'm pretty sure it's who I'm thinking of. He's very funny, goofy, big, blonde, improviser, total sweetheart. Like an actor-comedian type person? He and I were on a podcast together with our friends Felicia Day and a couple of other folks. It was like a a sci-fi improviser. I mean, he sounds great. If he's not our friend, he should be. God. Someone in my life is actively friends with you, or he's a psychopath, and he is the least likely psychopath. So he, so like, t- That's hats dark. off to him yes. because he is That's super dark. convincing. How about you, Sarah? <laughs> hey, people! It wouldn't be the first time. I mean, throughout our career, we always get the, like the one we used to get. Now we're too old, but the one we used to get was we would play shows, and people would come up to us and they'd say, "Oh my God, my friend John was your roommate in college," and I was like, "Did not go to college." Uh-huh. <laughs> I do not know anyone from PEI yeah. and I can't PEI. and like and they would just get this look like it, sometimes Why would John lie like, <laughs> like seriously they would get this look though sometimes where they were like okay liar and I'd be like I have nothing to gain here by lying like if I knew John I would have no problem saying it but like you would just there was That's just the these, doubling down though maybe that could be the doubling down of like the gaslighting of like well yeah. I know I'm right They'd be like, now even though I'm real- full of shit, because now I'm putting this on you. They're like, now it's a real mystery. Like they're like, yeah. they obviously like one of them slept <laughs> with John, you know, like or something like that. But like, yeah. I don't know. I always would just be like, is it just better to pretend like nod, like, oh John, yeah. God, he was crazy. You know, <sighs> didn't tell you that one time about the pot cookies or whatever. Just like go with it, because it lean almost in, lean, it felt bad to tell them hard. your friend's a fucking sociopath. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. God, I gotta get to the bottom of this. In fact, let's postpone. You know, I love let's to get call Steve. Let's give him a call. Let's confront him. Maybe it's my memory and it's somebody else. Anyway, uh, but high school, yes, I have been doing a podcast where I have made it very clear that I cannot, in some on some level, let go of high school. Um, and uh, in large part because I lived in San Francisco for my college years and beyond. And then I came to L.A. very reluctantly at like 28, actually maybe 29, um, through the comedy world because I was doing comedy and producing a comedy festival in San Francisco. And people were like, oh, you're a pretty girl who can do comedy. That's so rare. Not rare at all. It's not rare at all. And it's all very subjective. Um, But I got sort of like coaxed into coming down and just did not take very much time at all before I was like, but I... I evolved past all of the emotions that I'm having now. Like now mm. I'm back in this like weird place where I'm thinking about what I look like all the time. And mm. I'm like 
worrying that I'm in competition with with women that I otherwise want to spend time with and get to know better. And Mm -hmm. it was so off putting that this was sort of like a direct response to that was like, Mm. okay, I guess um, I guess a lot of life stays like high school. And I just was in denial about that. So maybe I should talk with people about it and so I started having women on and was like in defiance of that was like hey you're awesome I see you at auditions and I feel like we're being pitted against each other and that's bullshit like Mm. I want to know you better and let me hear what you're does this also feel like high school to you and also what did your high school feel like you know yeah that's cool did you go did you do college after high school I did I did how did how did you find your because we didn't go to college or university so we really you know our sort of seminal experiences in our youth are high school related and there was like no real like bucket to capture the first part of our adulthood because we didn't have those quote-unquote college years we just were like yeah "Yeah," that we went from high school to like doing taxes you know it was (laughs) just like it was like boom boom but did you find that like was your college experience you know quite different than high school like did you feel um it it sort of like was uh like better worse the same this pleases me greatly because now you're interviewing me and I don't have to worry about asking any questions uh, no I think um yeah it, it was it was different uh it for me was it's more of a blur because I went to do two different schools like I went into an in-state school in Arizona where I'm from and then one as soon as I could I moved uh to San Francisco just because I wanted to live in San Francisco and the school part was sort of like well I can mm. I don't have to go to school for a year because I can get uh I can get a residency and then I'll be able to pay in-state tuition. Um, But because of that, I didn't really like have a strong community uh, of friends at either college because I sort of left in the middle um, and was in the theater department, which is like beautifully incestuous. I think maybe any university you go to. But but this it's it. I don't remember it that well. Right. And I did a lot of drugs in high school, but I remember high school very, very well. <laughs> and like, I'm hard pressed to think of many of the college courses that I took. The degradation of your mind, it took longer. It's like I guess the, it the, did. I guess there was a little delay. Yeah. But that was one of the things about uh, about high school and in high school. Now I am referring to your memoir that that I felt like I hadn't enjoyed hearing about and felt connected to um, the way I wanted to with other people's remembrances of high school because I too started taking acid at a very young age. I did it before I had ever smoked pot, before I had ever had anything to drink. My friend and I, who I was absolutely in love with, who was absolutely in love with me, but she and I also felt very competitive about things. So there's even like, Mm. there was, there's, it felt very familiar for me as an only child to hear from you two about the experience of being twins in high school. I was not expecting to be like, wow, there's so much that I relate to. Yeah. Without having any siblings at all, which yeah. was also really beautiful of the two of you to share. But that the experience of taking acid and and I, like our reasoning for it was like it's made in a lab. It's safer. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell Somehow you that's that, safer than like smoking pot. I mean, I'll be real with you. I've had scarier experiences t- smoking pot and taking edibles Me too. than I ever had on acid. Me too. I don't feel that the LSD we were taking was made in a lab. So, you know, I'm like, sure it wasn't. You know what I'm I mean? Sure like, mine was it? I lived in Tucson, Arizona. It was coming from like a home lab, where? like a home yeah. lab, possibly. For sure. But for sure. I think, I think that I wonder if, like, for me, I feel that, that the ability to recall high school so vividly was in part because of the drugs. Like, I feel that mm. it, it heightened the experience in this way for Sarah and I both like and it, it it kind of came hand in hand with us 
um, exploring and well discovering and then exploring music like yeah. you know figuring out that we could make music and then our sexuality like you know we were both experimenting at that point with girls and stuff and so it's like I think those two things really made high school stand out in a way that's super significant because I relate like there's huge parts of my adult life that I'm like what yeah. like did things happen then or like you know like I just say they're yeah. blank they're blank spots with nothing monumental but high school just feels like so monumental because of all those things and also we kind of gave up drugs like we replaced it with music and girls mm -hmm. so I think that like there's there's like also this significant shift um like hormonal hormonally and chemically so like you know you and your competitive friend you know doing drugs and like that like like I don't know these feel like really signature things like probably creating a lot of chemistry inside of you that makes you remember them the chemistry part I agree with a thousand percent too that for sure there's a sense of things being so heightened and then also like searing themselves into your soul <laughs> yeah. in a way that you know the longer the more time that passes the more you start to experience that thing that grown-ups used to talk about which is like things just happen so fast before yeah. you realize it you'll enjoy it while it lasts like all of that kind of all of that sort of hyperbole but um but yeah I think too like one of the things I love about about what you guys shared is is this idea of of identity being such a huge deal when you're an adolescent and especially when you are sort of like starting to experiment and figure out what your sexuality is and figure out how you appeal to people and in what ways and what makes you appealing in a way that maybe someone else isn't appealing and the the relationship that that calls to me the most uh in my heart for comparing to you two as sisters is this friendship where like we were totally entangled yes drugs were absolutely a part of that and then there was a point at which the thing we would say which was like honestly someone could date either one of us and it would be like they were dating the the same person like felt so exciting and I think was like almost erotic between the two of us because of the feelings we had about each other and then within a year that felt incredibly threatening within a mm. year it was like wait a minute I don't want it wait I don't why would I want that <laughs> Why right. would I want to be interchangeable with someone else? That's very scary. Mm -hmm. I need to figure out who I am and and where I fit. And there was this very painful sort of pulling apart um, that was very hard. And I still have like complicated feelings about I can read an old letter from her and feel like she just broke up with me. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's so intense. Wait, are you still friends? We are. Um, I mean, like her birthday was the 20th and I absolutely sent her a birthday text. Okay. Um, but that is also the kind of relationship where it, it, it was so intense that I don't like it felt like all or nothing. And so it took us many years to sort of even get to a point where we could have like the occasional sit down and debrief on life stuff and then not feel sort of weird and guilty that that wasn't going to happen again the next weekend or even the next month or possibly even the next year. Yeah. Sarah, what do you think? There's this interesting, well, two, there's two interesting threads in what you're talking about. Like one, just as like a twin, I'm, I'm always fascinated in how non-twins, you know, they sort of project a lot of almost like a fantasy on what being a twin feels like. Oh, sure. And I'm sure you got that your whole life. Yeah, and, and it's a very common twin experience and it's not to say that it's, um, you know, it's it's interesting to me because I think this idea that um, that we have some choice or some feeling, some some control over the feeling is, is 
is like is probably the most um, wrong way to imagine what it feels like to be a twin. Like it's just yeah. it it just is. Like the the connection we have or the experience that we have is very much you know, it, it is just our singular experience of being um, in this world. You know, I've just always been part of this relationship with Tegan and I've always had a twin sister and I've all, and, and one of the main primary experiences of being a twin is dealing with what other non-twins think about you. You know, it's very rare that we actually sit down and analyze how we feel about one another. It's actually mm. more through the lens of like what, a non-twin is curious about or interested in. And then I think the way that that sort of ties in with queerness, especially for me and Tegan, because we are women and we are queer and we are twins, there was this extra layer of like, wow, you must just feel so connected. Like you're just, you're, you're not just like the same, you're like double the same or something. Like it's like right. you... And and I think one like of it's the, a feedback loop. Like it's like, you're, this like it's loop. just enforcing and becoming more intense and concentrated exactly. because yeah, exactly. And I think there was this kind of desire to write high school, like our memoir, about that specific time in our lives, uh, because there was this desire to, I guess, like unravel some of that mythology and some of that mm -hmm. um you know some of that information that i think has been difficult to talk about like in sound bites like you know we do interviews or we talk to people and they'll ask us some of these questions and we'll sort of just go like oh god what's the point i don't even know how to get into it so writing the actual story of that time um you know it was really empowering and i think it really surprised people to learn that as deeply connected as tegan and i felt you know, this disconnect that happened in, you know, our sort of puberty years as we started to realize, okay, my identity is mine. It is not necessarily just exclusively my identity as a twin. And in right. some ways I have to, like a lot of people think about when they break up, I, in some ways you have to break up to kind of like reimagine yourself as an individual, understand yourself as an individual. And I think in some ways, you know, Tegan and I did a very similar thing. We had to sort of, we had to start keeping secrets. We had to start, um, you know, sort of battling each other psych psychologically and physically for space. I want to be my own person and I d and I understand what you're saying when you say the thing about that you know at some point you realized you didn't want um, to be interchangeable with this person there's almost a violent kind of ripping apart um, from that idea and that's how I felt like the idea that I am now still interchangeable with Tegan in so many people's minds is is it, it's just it's deeply unsettling it makes I mean and and really like you know for people in the world who are not twins you know, when you are when you are seen as interchangeable with another person, that is often like a negative thing. And it yeah. is for us too, you know? Like yeah. I don't know very many twins who are like, it's so fun that people can't tell us apart or don't think we have different <laughs> brains or personalities. Like it's not funny, right. you know? Like it's not, we're not like, that's amazing. Like we're, you know, there's this kind of like rage that builds inside of all twins where you're just like, but I'm a human, I might, you know, like whatever. But I think it's just like, um, uh, I think it's just like so normalized to think that um, that we are somehow exempt from this really human feeling that everyone has, which is like, I just want to be seen as me and I just want to be yeah. known as me. And that's what makes it feel so universal. Like it, it isn't the, reading the book, in my case, listening to the audiobook because I am a rampant consumer of audiobooks because it turns out I really like uh, reading while I'm also like riding a bicycle yeah. uh, outside. <laughs> um, but uh, but also, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you so quickly got the feedback or maybe even knew going in that people would be like, oh, like, yes, this is an interesting lens to put on it. But like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. oh, oh, I know. I know all these feelings. Yeah. Great. 
cool, cool, cool. Antigan, do you agree? I mean, I'm fairly certain that the huge part of how we sold the book and, and and subsequently the TV show was the uniqueness of our story. But one of the things we hammered home right from day one was actually how universal our story is because most everyone has to go to high school and most everyone goes through puberty and some sort of awful you know, terrible adolescence, you know, disconnect, dysphoria about some part of who they are. You know, we all go through a lot of those things. And so we felt like, although there was a really unique part of our story, that there was something that was super universal. And it was really nice to put the book out in the world. And then we went out and did the book tour. And it was just this, I mean, similar to our band and our music. To, to I, I'm even shocked by how diverse our audience can be and the types of people that can connect to us and but uh like it happens literally daily like today it's happened on twitter where there was i've been like there's a lot of tweets about our show getting like people are hoping we get a second season and we haven't heard yet and come on yeah and there's been all these like funny tweets and it's like a really wide range like i've been starting to like look at like who is discovering the show right now like you know it's been out since october but there's like all these new people that are like oh my god i was surfing around on amazon and i found this show and it's about tegan and sarah and like there were a band and you know it's just it's interesting to look at who's connecting and what they're connecting to and why they're connecting and yeah it's um it's it's it it's sort of the juxtaposition of what Sarah was just saying, where there's this strife and sometimes discomfort around being interchangeable that we've you know that we've experienced as twins. But there's also the flip side of it is is there something just like so special and exciting that we spent most of our lives being something that people connect to, like yeah. that people can look at us and find this universal story, or that they can find this touch point to like connect to us. And I I. I feel joy in that. But yeah, I, similar to Sarah, also have feelings of like, our story is so unique and each of us as individuals is unique and see yeah. us as individuals. And that's such a teenage feeling. Like even that, you know, to be outraged at being mistaken or, you know, be interchangeable with a friend. That's that's like you pointed out about your friend. It's still an, It's still such a common feeling. You want to be your own person. That is the age where you start to say, I want to be my own person. I want to disconnect from from my family or, or, you know, from what people see me as and I want to show who I am on the inside, you yeah. know? Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. With Max Fun Drive in the books, we'd like to welcome our new members and say thanks to everyone who's supported us over the years. Welcome. Thanks. And now, on to the sticker sale. A lot of this year's drive gifts and live streams focused on food. We love how food can bring communities together, but not everyone has access to the food they need. So we'll split the proceeds from our sticker sale among five U.S. food banks in areas disproportionately affected by poverty. The sale ends Friday, April 14th. Members at the $10 monthly level and above can purchase any stickers they'd like. There's also a special Max Fun sticker featuring Nutsy the Squirrel that all members can purchase. For more info, head to MaximumFun.org slash sticker sale. And thanks again for your support. All 
I have a couple of uh, different sets of twin friends who are, work together professionally. And um, and by the way, I'm trying to be very sensitive to like, God, the one thing I love about doing this podcast is I so rarely am asking people questions that they are asked in any other interviews because I'm so focused on teenage years. So that's the that's the curse, actually, of how perfect <laughs> this interview for me is, because it, like, unfortunately, it's baked in that I'm going to be asking you questions that you had to answer uh, when doing press and stuff. But uh, but my friend, like friends of mine who who are, for example, comedians and actors who uh, have a hard time getting cast on stuff unless they're looking for twins because they're so identified together. Oh. Yet they've also built their career with the reality that everyone is going to know that they're twins because it's unavoidable. Right. So they sort of have this like. It's almost like this is a, a, a gross overstatement, maybe, when you think of the way this term is usually used, but there's almost like a victim blaming that's like, but I mean, you guys do work together. Yeah. <laughs> so on some level, you must want us to confuse the two of you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Where they're like, well, Sarah, what do you think? Do you know, there's a, okay, so this is actually very interesting because I've been thinking about this a lot. So as twins, you know, obviously, like, we're in the band together and we've had to, like, obviously deal with lots of what you're talking about, which is this kind of like, um, well, it can't bother you that much that people d can't tell you apart because you did cut your hair the same way or you do wear the same kind of clothes. Like as if I'm supposed to just like adopt a like extreme radical outward appearance different from Tegan if I want to be taken. Like it's like my fault. Like unless exactly. I, unless I want to look completely different. I got to be like a blonde who, you know, dresses, dresses super Rainbow femme suspenders or yeah. exclusively. Yeah, exactly. So like there is something there that I find very funny. But I also think like, you know, I've been asking myself like how much twin storytelling um, is too much. So, for example, you know, we're here we are in a band and we're we've just spent the last handful of years talking a lot about being twins for the very first time in our 20 something year career. We really are letting people in on our experience yeah. as twins, which is something that we kind of avoided. Um, uh, we just didn't think society was like mature enough when we first started out. <laughs> like We were just like, we're not going to answer questions about reading each other's minds. But now it's kind of like interesting to kind of like talk about it in the context of our career. Um, yeah. And then secondly, you know, we go out and we write this memoir and it gets turned into a TV show. We have some graphic novels coming out that are sort of a fictionalized version of another period of our life growing up. Oh, junior high. Um, awesome. Love so the whole approach of the graphic novel. Really so excited. Great. And yeah. but then recently and then now Tegan and I are we're working on another idea that sort of centers twins although completely fictional and not about us and I had this like kind of brainstorm session the other day just kind of like you know just starting to like put down more ideas like potential writing ideas you know tv ideas whatever and I find myself kind of gravitating to stories about twins and I and I was like finding myself thinking like why do I feel like I have to justify um, my instinct to write about twins. It is like one of my primary experiences. <laughs> like I never, I never say to myself, why am I thinking again about trying to tell a story about a woman or, a, you know, my, through my queer experience or whatever. Being a twin is like, I don't know, I'd put it up there as maybe the most defining thing about me beyond being, yeah. you know, sometimes I don't quite exactly identify as um, well, I mean, I identify as a woman, but I mean, like, I feel like that's somewhat slippery and a little bit like on a spectrum. My yeah. sexuality is important to me, but it almost feels sort of like baked into my sort of overall queerness. But being a twin, I mean, there's just like, I'm not, I'm never like, I don't know. It wasn't that big of a deal. It's like, yeah. it's the most important thing about me, potentially. And it's not just because I ended up being in a, a band and becoming like famous with my twin sister, but like, just like, this is it. This is defining. I mean, I just had a kid and... 
every experience that I'm having with being a mom and then also just like witnessing a baby growing up in these like sort of like monumental incremental ways, I can't help but reflect on what it was like to do that with another person who was doing it identical and exactly at the same moment as me. Like to think about all of that, of course I'm inspired to tell more twin stories. And to your point in a very long winded way, I'm so sorry, but like twins deserve more stories. We should be able to employ twins in movies and film and in books and whatever. And like, we shouldn't have to like, have it be such like a niche category. Like, I just think- Like it's a fetish. It's, like it it's exactly, it's like not- it's, Like it's the less like, there is of it, the more it feels like it's being exactly. fetishized in a way. I think, I, I'm just reading a book about twins right now and I'm pretty sure I read the statistic like one in four births like results in some kind of twin birth like you know obviously now with um you know fertility with IVF um the rate of twins has um has increased I was gonna bring yeah I was gonna say like now more than ever more than ever just but like you know fraternal twins, twins, like, twins what's the big deal? Yeah. it's like it's huge it's like a big thing so like what I'm starting to ask myself like why aren't there more twin stories and I mean I'm sort of in jest saying this but like I'm like justice for twins like we need more we need more of that and I'm I'm definitely giving myself permission to think about how you know I can continue to um, bring the world ver- like storytelling from the twins' perspective um, without it necessarily even being my own you know story. Like I sure. just I think about all these adult twins in the world who are doing interesting things and having interesting experiences, and like there's just there's just not that many examples of um, you know those kind of textures and layers um, in in mainstream media. And I'm like very I'm really excited and sort of like empowered to think about that now after having kind of like outed ourselves and and put ourselves out there as like you know as twins who want to talk about ourselves as twins. Yeah, Tegan, you don't have kids, uh, right? Yet, I don't. Yeah. No. Wouldn't it be funny though if she had secret twin or secret kids? Like she was like, I'm gonna, I'm finally coming out. I do have children. They're 21. Holy shit! It's crazy. It's been wild having to hide it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just, I'm asking because for me, again, being an only child, like I don't know that that twins are that much more interesting to me than just siblings in general because mm. it's all foreign to me and. Like, I'll never have the experience of being an aunt in a genetic sense, and I don't have kids. And so I'm just curious for you if, like, like what your experience of meeting the kiddo was and has been in terms of... Because my friends who are uh, aunts and uncles and everything in between are like, wow, I, I, like, I... I did not necessarily expect to feel like I would take a bullet for this child that isn't mine, but is my blood. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, how, yeah, yeah. How, how's that experience been for you? I mean, I don't want to take a bullet for anyone, to be honest. I would like, you know, but, and try. Yet you're going to have to. But this I'm is a weird going, podcast, but clearly, there, there's yeah, some really weird rules that come along with doing this. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh God. Even in the context of like my romantic relationship, like I could think about when I was like much younger, like and dramatic and hyperbolic in terms of the way I saw romance and love. And it was like, I die for this person. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want anyone to have to die for another person. Let's just all (laughs) not do that. But yeah, the first people who were really significant to Sarah and I that had kids were our friends from high school. And we're still really tight with them. There's a crew of us. There's about like, you know, eight of us that still hang out. And when the first of them had kids, it was like profound, I think for both Sarah and I, like, cause you know, we knew other people that had had kids and like, we yeah. even had some family who had had kids, but there was just this intense bond like that we had had with these girls in our lives. And then they were the first to have kids. And it was just, it felt really just like, even now I can conjure the feelings. It happened at a time when also where a lot of really significant things were happening to Sarah and I in our 
personal and professional life. So it's all mixed up together emotionally. And I've always really liked other people's kids and cared about kids. And in one of my relationships talked very seriously about having a kid and went through the process and considered like my partner wanted to carry and and it was a really interesting and exciting time and when it didn't happen I was very very relieved because I had all these other kids and these like intense relationships and you know um and then when Sarah started talking a few years ago about how her and Stacy were gonna have a kid I was like I really internally was like I wonder what if it'll feel different yeah you know and when Sarah and Stacy had like when Sid arrived um it did feel different, you know, like showing up at the hospital and seeing them with him and over the last, you know, almost nine months, like, ex- like seeing them have that experience. It, it, I, I can't say if it's like so different because it's Sarah or if it's just so different because it's in my daily life every single day. Like it affects mm-hmm. everything. Even if I do not see Sid, it's like it's changed profoundly how we look at work. It's profoundly affected our family. You know, I think because Sarah and I are so entwined, like absolutely everything we do pretty much has to go through the Tegan and Sarah band filter because all of our projects, our work, our shared calendar, like I can't go on a vacation without permission in some way, not in a bad way, like no one would ever say no to me, but like absolutely everything about our world is so enmeshed that Sarah having a kid, it has had such a profound effect on me in a way that, other people's kids haven't because they're not in the same way attached to me but it's also done something that I think most normal people experience when they go to college or they get married or they have children and we just didn't have that experience because we worked together and spent the last 24 years traveling and running a business together and being a band and a brand yeah but it's created like it's created a fracture but a good one where something's more important than us and our band something's yeah. more important than our music like sarah has to keep that child alive like that is to become like it's it's so significant and i and <laughs> sarah, i don't it. look surprised yeah <laughs> i do i do <laughs> but to some you know, degree like it it's forced me to also look at other areas of my life where it's like oh yeah like but i'm also married and i have a almost three-year-old dog and like those things were significant too and like those things yeah. profoundly affected my life and the choices i make and i don't I don't like the way I build my world has changed dramatically since I made huge adult decisions like those two things. But, sure. you know, as but be, the opportunity to be an aunt and to know that I have extra duties like this isn't just a friend who has a kid who I just like hang out with. Like I am I know that, that there's a, there's added responsibility, which I think is probably the metaphorical equivalent of taking a bullet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I call it I do call call him the heir to the Tegan and Sarah throne because I'm not going to have kids. So yeah, like he's going to be left with the legacy of us. And my first gift when he was born was a onesie that said property of super close music, which is our company. Cause I do feel, yeah, like that we're, we're, we are also my partner and I, we also feel we are responsible for, you know, ensuring that he has a good life and he's taken care of no matter what happens to his moms, you know? Yeah. It's funny you say that. But yeah. But because I'm realizing as I think about my friends who have kids, for sure, the one that's the most significant to me is my kind of best friend from high school post mm-hmm. the like and the enmeshment in love with each other friendship. Yeah. Uh, the healthier uh, friendship and the person with whom I'm still very close uh, has twins. Um, they are wildly different from one another. Um, 
but they activated in me the most gushy, like yeah. gift giving, like they're like a, like like a real sort of like like a sense of loss that we don't live in the same city. That mm. I'm a little scared every time I see them at how much they will have grown up, and like like a weird almost kid selfishness of like <laughs> I need to stay meaningful to them like, right I need them well, do you my feel relationship like you track- with this person is so meaningful like yeah. I need that meaningfulness to like continue to the next generation of these kids that's my question to you is because I kind of think I feel the same way like we recently hung out with some of our high school friends they flew out to see a show and they brought their kids and we were just having a day where we wandered around you know went to a park got burgers out on the street and then they all came to soundcheck and got to come to the show and they're all sort of like uh in the sort of six to eight year old range and when we were walking to the park like all three kids wanted to hold hands with me and were asking me all these questions and we're talking about how excited they were to be at the show and the thing that moved me wasn't the kids like I mean the kids are adorable they're wonderful I love them but I couldn't stop thinking about like how much acid that me and their moms had done (laughs) like in high school and like how fucked up we all were and you know like that we used to go to parks also as 17 as 16 and 17 year olds but just because we were high and drunk Uh you know and like I was just like having all these thoughts as I was walking along the street and I was having this moment where I was like it's there's this intense history and connection you know that you feel that you're gonna tell them about when they get older and like that kind of history feels really important and adds to the significance I don't know if that's sort of what you're saying when you say like you want to be significant to them yeah I think that's definitely a part of it um which but that's also interesting because it reminds me of just like the difference in your mom having a much more transparent relationship with you two and drugs and sort of right. understanding that she had a, a knowledge of that that was very different from my parents who were like very kind of square. And, you know, no one yeah. was like if they had found like pot, if they had found weed, if they had found God forbid they had found acid, they were certainly not together uh, from the time I was very, very, very little. But both of them would have just been like they just would have been horrified and sure that I would be dead within six months. Like, Yeah, you would have been shipped off to rehab. Yeah, no one would have been like, let me go ahead and just keep my hands on this because you guys are in trouble, <laughs> wink, wink. Like, that that absolutely was not going to be my experience with them. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. A man goes to the doctor and says that he's depressed and that life seems cruel. The doctor says, ah, the treatment is simple. The great clown Pagliacci is in town tonight. Go and see him and you will surely feel better. The man bursts into tears and says, but doctor, I am Pagliacci. Ah, okay, says the doctor. In which case, try listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award-winning comedy podcast and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. So at the end of my podcast, I do uh, a mash game. Like, you know, I don't know if you guys ever did this when you were in high school or junior high. Uh, The shit show that is junior high, far worse for most of us in high school. And that's one of the reasons I'm glad that you guys decided to tackle that as well. Um... This is a wish fulfillment. It's a let's leave on a thinking about things that you love sort of note. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted I want to get into it, especially because uh, there are two of you and I want to be able to hear your answers if you're cool with it. Um, of course. 
like I'll give you an example. So the first category for each of you would be to give me three like movies that you would love to be able to jump into and just be in. You're in that world. You're interacting with the characters. You're not reliving the plot. It's just that sort of like disappearing into another landscape. Three movies. Sarah, how about you? Yeah, I can do that. Oh my God. Um, okay. I great. weirdly rewatch the movie uh, Call Me By Your Name all con- constantly but really any any oh. any of um uh, uh, that director's movies like um i am love also is another one that i've rewatched about 500 times um and i think it's just because it's like yeah. duh like there's there's queerness there's beautiful people it's like you know it's italy it's 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 gorgeous um so yeah i could jump yeah. into that anytime um one of my favorite movies of all time is chunking express and um, I would definitely nice, yes. live in the vibe of that movie. I don't know. I don't know if it's like the movie itself or just like the first t- first times that I watched that movie and all you know, um, in the mood for love and like all of all of um, that director's films. You know, I was like in my mid twenties and just discovering real film, like cinema, like not just like go to the movie theater and see yeah. whatever's mainstream yeah. and come out. Like I'd moved to Montreal and I was like learning about like cinema, like real, like, you know, film. So I like those, that movie I could jump into yeah. in two seconds. Okay. And then, oh my God, why is the third Beautiful. one just feels like it's the hardest. Oh my God, this is going to be controversial. Always. It's just because it popped into my head and I don't want to take all day. I would, I would, I want to be in the social network because I never got to go to college and I always wanted to go to Harvard. And I, and I really like that for a long time, I wanted to quit Tegan and Zara to go back to college, like to go to college. So I don't know. Social network is a great movie. Great, great score. Yeah. It's great. a great movie. Love it. Super mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Super uncomfortable. Great movie. Tegan, what about you? Well, I, it's on my brain because today is the day the, uh, the breakfast club came out. It is? Yeah. Oh, wow. It was on Twitter. <laughs> yeah I don't know I just remember that being like one of the first like adult movies that was probably a little over our heads that we probably ha- had we come from a different household maybe we wouldn't have been allowed to watch um as early as we did but as teenagers we were just like absolutely obsessed with it and I just love all those actors and I just think it would be super interesting to pop into that world just when Sarah said that re-watching Call Me By Your Name I also rewatched that movie a lot but I love Kissing Jessica Stein oh just, sure that movie is such a comfort to me yeah. for I don't know why <laughs> and I, like but I just love watching it I think I just love it I just have such an affection for it I think it's so funny it just captures it's I love that it's in New York I love all the yeah. actors that are in it I think it's funny it's a queer movie I saw it in the theater in Vancouver um with a theater of like old Jewish people a matinee and I just and everybody <laughs> in the an theater amazing experience to have <laughs> yeah. for that movie it was a great experience it really uh. yeah I feel very connected that's to it. That's a great it. one. That one is, I mean, that's one of those, like, it's, like, I've spent, I've talked a lot about, like, crew representation, particularly for women uh, mm-hmm. in earlier film and, like, the fact that um, everyone is, like, bisexual and a killer. Um, right. <laughs> sure. There's just a lot of, like, like, it's super hot when you're, like, you, you're crushing on that person but at the same time like you you've had a lot of crushes on bisexual serial killers i feel you? like i feel like that's come up <laughs> more than once and i'm not just talking about basic instinct like i feel like there's a lot of or there's just like there's there a lot is. of it's damage true. around it do you know what i mean there's a all, lot of damage around like all killers and all predators of a certain era were like were were queer Wait, what the fuck? I, I'm sitting here being like, what are you guys talking about? Are you talking about Killing Eve? Is that what you guys are talking about? Killing Eve is one. 
Well, that's not actually not a bad example. Well, that's a, yeah, it's charming. Uh, Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. Like, oh yeah, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. I don't know. Like there, like there was a movie, Henry and June, uh, which was uh, like, again, sort of looking for mm. access to girls kissing each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Hunger, <laughs> they're vampires. Henry and June, they're like, it's Henry Miller. So there's this sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, tristy, you just, you like, just wanted some base- broken mm-hmm. kind of, you know. Women have to be gay in yes. the context of having also been with men and figuring out whether they want to continue yeah, with that or if they're sure. experimenting. There's just a lot of kind of, yeah. I think the male gaze is still like very present. Oh, yeah. And Kissing Jessica Stein was not that. Kissing Jessica Stein was like, hey, this is going to be the story that we tell from our perspective. I think so. Yeah. I mean, to I degree. think, look, we all know that you can go back and you can reprocess any of any movie from any era and like, and then it's complicated. I was talking to a 25 sure. year old this morning about how. Like we were talking about gender and how it would be really nice to remove gender from everything. But like there's entire languages that are built around gender. So like we can't just erase gender entirely. And so but it's so amazing to be a part of a time where we get to have that conversation. Absolutely. And there's lots of movies that I'm sure that we all love that when you go back and watch it, you're like, "Eh, that joke, that doesn't work. You know, like there's like things that just like are weird. I've been on a real kick doing that. Like I just watched like Failure to Launch and Goodwill Hunting and he's just not that into you and like you know like there's like or it's complicated with Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin like all these movies and like there's so many things that are amazing and then there's so many things that people say that you're like oh god really that movie only came out 20 years ago and they were still using that word I didn't remember it being like that instead of it being like a like a source of embarrassment I'm trying to lean into the like isn't it cool like exactly what you were saying like isn't Mm -hmm. it cool that we recognize this now and That we can see the value there and we don't need to like take a bunch of celluloid and like set it on fire in the middle of Times Square. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, Times Square. That it is all part of the conversation. It's all part of like, hey, whenever we feel like we're backsliding and the world is a terrible and dangerous place for people and like even those small things remind you like, no, we're Mm -hmm. we're like we're slouching towards something like we're, you know. Okay, wait. So I got to pick a third one still, right? Sorry. I just looked down and realized I would keep you here for eight hours if I didn't uh, if no. I didn't remind us that we were on the what movie are you jumping into course. Yeah. So I think I would maybe the third one I would jump into is like something just completely epic and outside my like that movie RRR or whatever. Oh, that just, yeah. Like, you know, because yeah. after the Oscars, I was like, I'm going to watch that. That looks and I was like highly entertained and enthralled. Yeah. I just will like jump into that world that's just like that's entirely great. different than my own. Completely agree. Okay. Next one, three musicians. It can be a band, composer, singer, songwriter, uh, hip hop, whatever you want uh, from any era, living or dead, that you get to collaborate with on something. You don't even have to know exactly what the shape of that would be. But three people, you three artists you get to collaborate with on something. Sarah, what about you? I mean, I don't know what it says about me that this is like maybe the most challenging question we get asked on a regular basis. Well, not three people, but one. You get They'll asked say, this? like, who in who would be your dream dead or alive yeah. that you get to collaborate with? And I'm always like, I don't do I got just it, got it. And she's not any better at answering the question. Well, now it's three. Like, I mean, before even with one, I'd be like, um Listen, I'll skip this category. You have to remember I ask a lot of people who aren't musicians, so they're like, Yeah. Oh, this is amazing. It's, you know what it is? Is it's it's I think when you're a musician, well, for a lot of musicians they like to jam with each other. This is like there's like two kinds of musicians. There's like people who like to jam. The jammers, that can be right. like any kind of collaboration. The jammers. And then there's like people like us who are like bad at it. And um 
So whenever no, but this is a question we can we can. Oh, I but love. But you also pro- have great taste in producers, producers. I would say, like, you may have a yeah. sense of like mm-hmm. a producer oh. that you would. You know what I'm saying? And that is that is also a part of it. Is like I would you know if there's somebody who you feel like I would love to see what they do with our sound, like that kind of thing. Brian Eno, if we could, he's a music, he's a musician and a producer. Thank you for getting me there on a different love. track instead of thinking about the classic musician type collaboration i'm gonna go with producer musicians okay brian eno what number one for sure fortet who i think has always been quite underground but now because of his relationship with skrillex yep. and fred again i feel like he's like everywhere so fortet i've been like major fan for a long time um and then there's a, yeah. sh- a, a chicago band called dead spelled nice. d-e-h-d who are amazing and um they've got a couple of really great records but um i love them love them to death they're so amazing Okay, thank you. Thanks for believing nice. in me. Thank you for getting we me did through it. that experience. Part way. Take it. <laughs> My pleasure. I'm sorry I subjected you to it, but I love your answers. It's a good challenge. Tegan, what about you? We actually have been talking a lot about collaboration, so I already have artists in mind. Like I feel like I really um, appreciate Halsey and the career that she's had going so sure. far and think she's really cool. We're both like massive Mitski fans. Yeah. And I just find her whole story super fascinating. The teen fans, the like reluctance yeah. to engage at all with her audience on social media. And yet she just soars to the yeah. top. I think that's so cool. And um, and I just, yeah. I really, 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 really love Haley Kyoko. And we're friends and we talk about collaborating all the time. So she's always on my mind because I just think she's, she's, she's like a Mitski in my mind too where there's like this kind of queer young audience that is obsessed with her but uh, like unlike Mitski she's Haley embraces the social media connection and the fandom and I think they both navigate their careers in a really amazing way gorgeous romance this is a mash game there's a little bit of romance this is an alternate universe uh your current partners uh they 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 may just be off doing something else in this alternate universe uh never never the twain shall meet three people again can be fictional characters characters from books movies living or dead any era any time three okay um i'm gonna go first because sarah looks like she's thinking um okay marion cojard like i'd take a bullet for her wow um (gasps) <gasps> we got there we got there <laughs> Marion could you come in here please just had to bring that joke up again not her wife or her namesake but Great. um but for for a random French actor who she met briefly once at the Academy Awards we held hands we held hands great okay well because everyone's in love with him I'm gonna just put Pedro Pascal it's his great. time it's um, his time oof third Kate Blanchett I mean, this is weird because Tegan and I have very different tastes in just people in general. I find that we gravitate towards different types of people and characters. Um, but I also pick Kate Blanchett. It's like Everyone if you're, that's basically like, if you don't pick Kate Blanchett, I'm like, mm, what? Kate Winslet. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And Rachel Weiss. Weird. Ugh. I like mom, mommies. Yes, good <laughs> lord. These are the. They're kind of no, no, no. I mean, is like, that listen, I'm 42. Now? I'm not like oh, saying no. it like they're old. I mean, like, mommies, like you know, they just seem like large <sighs> oh. and in charge. Do you know what I mean? Like these are these are women who do not need you to yes. solve their problems. 100%. 100%. They're they're observant. I would I would dare to say yeah they are good examples of what I have found in my real life partner. I embrace every one of these choices. Next category. You can. We're going to be able to teleport you via a secret door in your existing home to a place that you have a, a sort of getaway home anywhere in the world. Three places. Tegan, what about you? Three places where we want a secret getaway home. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And well, you don't have to deal with like the flight there. Okay. 
the south of France. Because we're just sending you there. Um, Great. The island of Ischia in Italy. Great. I love. I mean, I love Montreal, but like, God, who wants to do that flight? So, portal. Well, guess what? <laughs> May not have to. May not have to. Great. Tegan, portal. Portal cities. Cities are hard on the spot. Like, I feel like for me, if I'm having a portal somewhere, it's like out in the middle of nowhere. So, which it can yeah. be. Which it can be. You know what? If it's a, if it's, yeah, if it's like a, like an open field in the middle of Scotland, like that's great <laughs> right. too. I would say like somewhere in Mexico, you know, right. my partner's from Brazil. So like somewhere in Brazil, not, not Sao Paulo. She grew up in the South of Brazil. So like maybe somewhere in the South and then yeah, wherever they shot, call me by your name. <laughs> that specific house. I mean, it's in, it's in Italy. So great. Yeah. It's in Italy, but I just, I, I don't remember what the town was. Call me by your name house. And then final category, let's do three alternate universe careers. You get to sort of try something great. else on um, for a moment or. Okay. Life. How about you, Sarah? Uh, professor, lawyer, right. fiction writer. What kind of professor do you think it would be? Religion, theology. This is just curiosity. A, but I'd be, I'm a, but I, but I would be an out atheist professor. Great. Yeah. Obviously. And then obviously the corporate money. defense attorney. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to be a public defender. Great. Yeah, I am not going to be a public defender. Defender in my <laughs> chemical, portal. Chemical and pharmaceutical companies exclusively. Are you fucking kidding. Me? <laughs> <laughs> Tegan, what about you? I think it'd be cool to be a coach, like of like a, like to, you know, nice. like of a basketball That's team so gay. or like an Olympic That's so gay. swimmer or something. Okay. I want to be a coach to um, successful, very, very rich um, adult athletes. Um, Great. <laughs> uh, I would like to be a podcast host. And I mean that so sincerely because I really love to talk and I have... Um, millions of podcast ideas because um, I just think it'd be so fun to talk to people without Sarah. Um, and then, yeah. Copy that. <laughs> and then I, uh, I think it'd be so dope to like be able to make shit like furniture. Just recently engaged yeah. a young gentleman in my neighborhood who's making some custom things for me. And I went to visit his shop and I was like, He's like, yeah, I just listen to podcasts all day and make furniture. And I'm like, is this my dream job? I, I think that might be my dream job. I agree. I put an artisanal craftsperson. Great. <laughs> I got very fancy in my description. I love that. Uh, okay. Each of you, will you give me a word that can be found in the title of a song that you love? So it could be literally the or you, or it could be grapevine as it was recently for someone who could only think of the song i heard it through the great so many memories come back when i think of that song it's actually really yeah same i go straight to the california raisins absolutely sure like that's cannot yeah. think of that's the first thing and very vivid image like i don't remember spending that much time looking at the california raisins <laughs> for as well as i feel like i remember no, exactly but, what they look like but that was like a cultural mm -hmm. phenomenon it was a phenomenon um, it was so. a phenomenon it's a good point uh, okay, sh ship. Ship, great. Holiday. Great. Okay, this is not something that has to take up the entire time of me doing these very official mathematical calculations to give you your 100% guaranteed MASH alternate universe world. But it is a great time to revisit with people junior high, high school. Where can they see stuff? How can they participate as viewers to get a next season? All of that good stuff. While I... Do, this do some math. -math. Okay. Yeah. The first season of our TV show, High School, is available um, if you're an Amazon person.
person through Prime, but you can watch it for free on Amazon Freebie. And how do we get another season? I mean, I don't know, but watch it and talk about it and tell all your teen friends. And um, if you're friends with teens Um, and our book, High School is a great read. You can always pick that up. And the audio version of it includes songs that we wrote in high school in the 90s and lots of extra additional shit. That's super fun. And we're about to go out on tour. We're touring from sort of May until late fall on the Crybaby tour, which is in support of our new album, Crybaby, which is our best record yet because we're masterful geniuses. We we also have a new book coming out (laughs) at the end of May, which is a graphic novel called Junior High. Oh, yeah. It's uh, there's two books in the in the series. It's really special. We so worked with about a this. fabulous artist <laughs> called Tilly Walden who did all of the art and it is brilliant and uh, it is a fiction lightly fictionalized version of our life in junior high but set now, set in the modern times and uh, and is very sweet and tender-hearted and love that. Um, I'm really proud of it and we're really excited for it to come out. I can't. I don't know how to tell you this, but I am. Th- I am so good. I am so masterful at, at this particular job <laughs> that I do have your results. I just realized as you were talking about uh, high school again that I that I did want to ask you like what your process was like as you were sort of deciding, like how much of it was collaboration when you were deciding what to write about, or if it mm-hmm. was like you went off and wrote things and then came back together and were like. What do you have? It was a hybrid process because we started just writing separately from what we remembered. But then Sarah had a very fruitful meeting with one of our editors and she suggested that we take a beat, take a breath, build a timeline and then sort of map out our our emotions, like our, our, our most significant memories and the emotions we have about them so that we had some structure. And then Sarah and I kind of regrouped and started writing chronologically from 10th grade on. Nice. And junior high was a totally different experience because you knew you going into it. Junior high was together a script yeah, in this format. So we actually That's wrote great. the book as a script with, you know, descriptions of what you would see oh, nice. on the page, you know, the characters, what they would look like, what the room they're in um, looks like, you know, like that kind of thing. All, all sort of like evidence for, nice. for the artist, for Tilly to use as she would draw and and sort of build out this visual world. So it was, um, yeah. So we spoke yeah. in each other's voices, like did it exactly, together, which was yeah. really cool. It was really neat. And we would just hand the script back and forth and kind of be That's each great. other's editor and sort of riff with each other. So totally different experience and also very fun. Oh, awesome! Can't wait to read it. Um, okay, so first of all, Tegan, I gotta rip off the band aid. You did get a shack. You could have gotten a mansion, apartment, or house. You did get a shack. That's, That's okay. Nice. That's what it's all I'm about. Simple. That's uh, okay. A beautiful, humble, comfortable shack. Let's say next door to the Call Me by Your Name house. Great. So you are set to enjoy a wonderful time in Italy whenever you want. We're going to teleport you there, Sarah. Not too far away, south of France. You have a beautiful apartment in the south of France. Uh, two beautiful Thank you. areas. I feel very good about this. Congratulations on both. That's wonderful news. When your uh, fantastic uh, homes in these uh, particular places are not doing it for you and you need to escape into something else, Sarah, I want you to know you can jump right into the social network and engage in some super competitive (laughs) collegiate activities. Whereas, Tegan, you can jump into a kissing Jessica Stein. So shout out to that movie. What a fucking joy. You're also collaborating with some other musicians slash producers. Sarah, you're going to be working with Fortet, which Finally. is freaking awesome, as is the fact that you're going to be working with Mitski, Tegan. Very cool. Oh, and, and listen, if you could stay out of trouble as a coach at the NBA, you're going to do just fine. Whole different <laughs> kettle of fish than we were talking about. So, And also very lucrative. So yeah, you're doing right. great 
as that NBA yeah. coach. I assume you have tenure, Sarah, as a professor, as an atheist professor mm-hmm. of world religion. <sighs> Sarah, you are going home to none other than Rachel Weiss. Fuck yeah. Sounds like a dream. Tegan, you can go ahead and claim Kate Blanchett. Great. Very really excited. Solid, is, these solid, these solid are lives option. of relationships and homes that I would love to see. So I can only assume that's your next graphic uh, it's novel. It's our next film about twin the aside by twin side. sisters. <laughs> yeah. One's an atheist professor. One is uh, working in the NBA, married to a top, married yeah. to a power suit, and one is correct married to a beautiful, wonderful, just walking on air, lovely, whatever. Yeah, great. Yeah. Love of the life. Yeah. Sign me up. Beautiful. Got it. They're yours to keep. Uh, thank you so much for doing the podcast. This has been a joy. I don't know that I'm going to be helping that much more other than the incredible success you've already had. But if anybody for some reason is listening to this and wasn't going to do this already, please check out all of those things and more. Uh, and everybody, I will talk to you next time on the podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, remember when we could save kittens from trees or lunch on skyscrapers, bring the villains to their knees. Maybe we should. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported.